Broadcasting from occupied Tongwa land in Long Beach, California. This is Wait, Why Am I Talking Podcast. This is my comrade Vic. Vic, how you been doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just been working a lot recently, unfortunately. Giving up my time to the man. And yeah, it just takes away from like, you know, the stuff I want to do in my life. But we got to pay those bills. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Working too much. Have you hit Writers Guild of America picket lines that you haven't no. crossed yet or no, hasn't happened? Uh, no, I do a lot of promos and commercials, so I've been doing a lot of non-union stuff. That's definitely been out there. Tons of non-union documentaries that still be going on. All those reality shows are still going to be shooting. They're all non-union. Yeah, huh? the boom of reality shows happened because of the writer's strike last time. Oh, in 07? Yep. Oh, right. oh, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Huh, huh. So that's probably, you know, what's going to happen again. I guess that makes sense. So you're telling me reality shows aren't actually that produced? Uh, no, they're not. And a lot of the camera people have a huge hand in what huh. happens in reality. But like a lot of the writing is in the editing. Uh, oh, not, yeah. Not I see. by the WGA. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. They just get tons and tons of footage and then construct some sort of narrative. There you go. Well, I hope everyone's okay. prepared to see a lot of documentaries and reality television uh-huh. as the strike drags on. Yep, yep. I've also got my comrade Miles here. Miles, how you been? I'm doing well. Thank you, Jordan. Um, I'm doing some work again. I am canvassing to prevent a police officer association recall in Santa Ana. So, Ooh. yeah, you know, if I'm going to have to dive into the swamp, it might as well be yeah. to... Uh, you know, obstruct a police union. I think that's pretty good. Well, any police union recall, you know, the enemy of my enemy, at least I'm neutral on at least, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that, yeah. You're getting recalled by the cops. You know, you can't be that bad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just anything to obstruct the cops is great. Yeah, I love it. And I'm getting paid for it, too. Yeah, you know. yeah ACAB, exactly. Because I'm white, they've been putting me in the really Republican areas because we don't want like my you know brown coworkers to get the cops called on them, which 100 percent would get happen. Shot at it. Yeah, or get shot at, or worse, you know what I mean. So I've been going there. That means I've been talking to a lot more Republicans than I'm used to, and like some of them, it's really sad. Like I was talking to this Republican guy, and like of course it's sad that you know he's not a particularly logical person and he believes some of the shittiest shit ever. But he was just like, yeah, I'm really afraid. Like, I don't even want to go outside. And I'm looking around me. There's like a park. It's suburban. Nobody's on the street. It's yeah. idyllic. There's fucking birds tweeting and shit. And I'm he just like. said that. Yeah. I, and I mean, this, this guy is sitting here telling me he's afraid to go outside of his home. And I'm just like, what? What is going on in terms of this, of this delusion? Because I take a, many, many, many more risks than this oh old my. guy. And oh. it's like. I, I very rarely and infrequently am I in, in any in any danger whatsoever. Yeah. So it it's sort of wild that I, you know it makes me wonder how much how much of especially with like the older crowd of Republicans is it just they're super afraid. For context, how far away is Santa Ana from Long Beach? Santa Ana is maybe like a twenty minute drive. So this is within fifteen twenty miles it's not of that where far. we are. No, it's not. It's not, it's not far. far at all. I think it's illustrative that you were talking to like a, a reactionary and like that's their paranoia mindset hiding in their house. But I don't know. I hear this from a lot of libs too, where they're like afraid of cities more than they used to be even. Yeah. The yeah. I mean, the, uh, suburbanites were always paranoid about this stuff, of right. course. But 
I told someone I was from San Francisco originally, and they go like, "Oh yeah, it's pretty sketchy there now." And I was, I just kind of looked at them like, "Can you oh, buy a <laughs> house there? Like, what's the?" Yeah, that's what I'm price? thinking about. Like, can I buy a house there? Not. Yeah, there's homeless people there too. Scary. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But right. people just say this stuff, and they're like so scared because I mean, literally millions and millions of dollars and all this narrative has gone into it. I mean, doesn't matter if you watch Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, you're thinking the same thing. I mean, to your point, my dad's a boomer. But he has friends who are much more conservative. And he was talking to them the other day and he said he'd give uh, an unhoused guy like five bucks. You know, he was just sitting there. It's like, okay, cool. And his friend was like, oh, no, no, you should never do that. They either have a knife or a gun on them. What? So, you know, it's nuts. This is what they think, right? They think they see an unhoused person. They're like, oh, my God, that person has a weapon. They're going to harm me oh, immediately. Wow. And it's just like, you know, it's out of touch with yeah. the reality of the situation. Totally, it's particularly funny because your dad gave. They're like, your dad gave him five bucks, and he's like, "Well, be careful. They always have a gun or a knife." It's like, <laughs> yeah, so why didn't they take more? Why than didn't five he rob bucks? me then? Like, right, 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 right. Yeah, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah, I guess you give him the five bucks. They don't. I don't. What's yeah. the logic here? Whatever. He must have thought that my dad was being threatened, and that's how he ah. He I, I didn't even. Oh my god. Yeah. I, <laughs> But it, it just makes you realize, like I, I, I went right over my head. I yeah, didn't even I realize that. I, I mean, just they don't know, right? They're making so many judgments are being made without even ever even talking to a person. And yep. it's just like, hey, fuck. Mm. This is why we're fucked because we're so insulated, and especially the people with money. Yeah, but oh, yeah. we go out and we do talk to people, right? Yeah, most definitely. We've got a great interview coming up later in the episode with an organizer with the Medieval Times Union that is striking right now. They've been on strike for about three months. Mm -hmm. We've got a great yeah. interview with a union organizer there who's a knight named Jake. Who's a what? <laughs> <laughs> Chivalry is not dead, folks. Knights exist. The performers at Medieval Times are striking, so we were talking about the people who are the knights that jump off the horses every, uh -huh. well, three times a day, as we will hear later. Yeah. Queens who, like, run the show, the falconer. The artistry. The artist. The artist. The people making it happen. This strike kind of seems like a novelty. It's considered by a lot of people to be a novelty a little bit, because it's, like, fun, right? Mm -hmm. But it really mm -hmm. is, like, just... At the core of it, and they talk about this, a classic labor strike. Like, they aren't getting health benefits, they aren't getting wages. There's definitely an interesting face to this, but overall, it's like a pretty grounded story. Could you imagine a regular part of your day is having a sword swung at your face and you don't have health insurance? Make 18 bucks an hour. <laughs> and you make 18 bucks an hour? Oh, God. Everyone should be making more than that, but still, regardless. Okay, Medieval Times. If you grew up in the United States, you've probably seen it advertised and wanted to go there at some point mm -hmm. in your life. I certainly did as a kid, oh, yeah. and I never went as a kid, <laughs> only went as an adult, and it was as good, if not better, than I thought it would be. We went a few years ago for my birthday. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. It was so fun. Some pretty extreme performances going on. Like This is like pretty intense stage work they're doing. It's like wrestling, but in medieval times. It literally looked like they were going to die for real. Like they don't. This isn't like a... You show up and th these people are given like 75%. Like they look like they're going to kill each other for real every time. 
we were there on like a random Saturday at 3 p.m. And like, yeah. this is how hard they're going. They've got titanium weapons. They're doing combat. Sparks are flying. They're doing, they're on horses, horseback, doing a lot of different stunts. Yeah. And this is all things that like AI could never do, will <laughs> never take over this level of entertainment that only humans could do. Like, and through their labor could do. And it has value, but we're going to see. What happens when the people in charge are doing what they do? It was started by Jose Montaner in Spain in the 1970s before coming to the U.S. So I guess it answers that question. It's at least been in, the, in Spain. And they, they closed up shop in Spain when they, they moved the family and operation over to Florida. So that oh should tell God. you. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, these, bing, bada, boom. Right. these are okay. some real weirdos. Like <laughs> yeah, Spaniards okay. are a whole, like yeah. in Southern California, especially like we think we would know what a Spaniard is, but Spaniards are like. No idea. Yeah. No idea. They're weird, man. No yeah. Idea. I mean, yeah. I've known some weird Spaniards, but <laughs> um, it's yeah. all coming together now. Medieval times doesn't strike me as something they'd have going on in Spain but all the time. But getting cooked up in right Florida? Now. Yeah. In quotes here, Spaniard Jose Montaner, a medieval times investor who can trace his roots back to Charlemagne. <laughs> of course you can. Of Great marketing can. there. Okay. It's false. It's totally made up. Pure fiction. It's a total fabrication. It never happened. In quotes, got the idea 25 years ago to design an establishment where he could recreate the festival tournaments his family gave in the 11th century from the Miami Herald in 1988. Uh, this just goes to show like the myth they built up around this uh, stuff. This is great. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Propaganda that, works, man. They love, they're still so connected to the stuff over in Spain. So it's not shocking it started there because they still have like Inquisition museums, not memorials museums because they're not really that ashamed of what they did. Like, Huh. It's not surprising that like their like entrepreneurial class would like do stuff like this. Right. Well, I mean, it's all been for the benefit of the Spanish crown, so <laughs> who, who cares? It, it's fine, you know? I mean, that that's what we're dealing with in medieval times, right? It's just like harkening back, like, hey, this is this is just propaganda. Yeah. That's the literally the theme of, of the show, too, is like it's oh, it's twelfth century Spain and like the Queen's uh, yeah. Spanish. Like it's they're not they have like a fake arabesque architecture. Like they're not shy about it. Like, yeah. They're not awesome. covering up what it is. She's yeah. a champion. It makes so much more literally. sense now. Okay. Uh, Montaner's son, Perico, na is now the president and CEO. Wow. All right. Family, mm. family industry company is privately owned. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's okay. part of why this strike is so nasty. So Perico Montaner, this is the person that's exploiting every person working yep. in medieval times. There are 10 castles about throughout the whole country. I, I love that they're castles. I know, okay. right? The strike that we're really covering today is occurring at the Buena Park Castle, uh, which opened up in 1986 and is the largest location. They host multiple shows a day uh -huh. with greater than 500,000 guests per year. Jordan, how much was your ticket? 70 bucks, I want to say. Yeah, like $66 it was for, not cheap. per ticket. It comes with like dinner, but it's nothing. It's like the math on that. So that's like 33 mil. Wow. Gross revenue. Oh, I mean, the whole company's got to wow. be. I mean, the other castles are quite a bit smaller, but I mean, we got to be talking like maybe 200 mil a year. Wow. Gross, the whole company. It's a, it's a pretty serious business. Like, it's got a lot of 
money. And the one in mm-hmm. Florida, they the most successful ones are right next to Disney World in Florida and Disneyland. Of course, of course. Because like, people go to see that and then go to these shows. Ah. Yeah, this one's next to Knott's Berry Farm, too. Yeah. And there's other stuff like it, like the pirate show nearby. But overall, I mean, especially, I'd say these days, there's less and less of these type of shows to go to. Mm-hmm. Like, when I went mm-hmm. for my birthday a few years ago, it was because, like, if you want to go to a live performance, especially after COVID, it's like, well, not that many exist anymore, as you would think, right? Gotcha. You know? But there's still this insane demand. So since COVID, like, more people are going to the shows gotcha. than ever. Oh, right. Even more popular. I mean, I will say, in terms of spectacles, it's a very, very entertaining spectacle. I mean, I'm sure yeah. we're going to be learning some more things that maybe leave a sour taste in our mouth. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can see why people want to go. It was fun. But overall, it's like the workers are being abused here. But the the idea of having the show, it's like so much has been stripped away from us in terms of live entertainment. The fact right. that like now these like Spaniards are trying to like squeeze the blood out of all these poor performers. Be like, oh, we just can't pay surprise, you. Surprise, surprise. Oh, you can't pay us more because like other people. Oh, what are people going to go down to the, the street to the other medieval time show? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Wow. So back in like November of what, 2022. They voted 2718 to form Medieval Time Performers United as part of the American Guild of Variety Artists. So when they did this, they got together, exercised their power, and did what they, the most powerful thing they could do as workers. They walked off the job in February because the company sued them. And now they're flying scabs in from all over the country to fill up those shows because it's that valuable for them to have workers there that they could fly them in. And that's just math. So you could fly in workers, but you can't pay the workers here more money. Right. And they had the money to sue the Mm -hmm. union after it formed. That lawsuit you mentioned was over the fact that the union is called Medieval Times Performers United. Wait up. It's a name (laughs) thing? And because their logo's too similar. So the the Medieval Times is saying- It's like intellectual property suit. Right. It'd be like if Starbucks, even Starbucks and Amazon didn't do this. Because it's like, what else are you going to call the union? The Jousters Association? Like, it's it's for one business. (laughs) I mean, it would be- Like Amazon suing Amazon United over IP. Oh, what no. else are they going to be like? You, I guess you could technically be like the warehouse worker. Like you oh, could no, be, but no, like, no, sure. no, 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 you don't no. have to be. Wow. Like, you know, did like, they lose that suit? Last I talked to the organizers, as far as I know, they haven't dropped it. That's still a basically like nothing's really been like truly resolved. Oh, uh, it's pending litigation. I mean, that's the whole point of all. That's this. Exactly, exactly. It's only been three months, really. Yeah, so, like, yeah. The whole point right. is like to drag everything out forever. Mm-hmm. Whatever tactic they could use. And the type of work that they're exploiting, not to say like some is worse than others, but like if you're working with horses and you're swinging knives at each other, it's swords because swords, like maces, because you like that stuff. You know what I mean? You have yeah. an affinity for it and it's taking advantage of like the artist drive, which I don't know, to me feels a little worse. It may not be. It's just my perspective on it. Mm. Probably the medieval times owner's perspective is like, look, we're called fucking medieval times. Fucking <laughs> like, what do you what want? Do you what do you think you're going to get? Like, <laughs> you know, and the current president is probably like, yeah, I'm a fucking king. Yeah. What do you think's happening here? I'm descended from Charlemagne. Yeah, I'm descended from Charlemagne, motherfuckers. You know, like, you serfs <laughs> think you're just going to wring more money out of me, you know? And I think the organizers at medieval times feel this way, too, in that it's not so much that it's a misery contest, but that of like who's more exploited but the idea of like these people do this because they love it 
and that's part of why they're sticking on the strike line and doing this is like they're like well we want this to be like a job where i can keep going and not like yeah drop out at 32 because i broke my arm and i can't get it fixed because the company won't pay for it you know what i mean i get bankrupted like most americans Mm -hmm. by medical bills like that's that's how you get caught so we've got an interview here with jake who is a organizer with medieval times united out on the strike line went out there uh just a heads up some of the audio on this is a little bit tinny because there was a lot of background wind that i had to edit out but it's still very listenable you mean you went undercover i went undercover yeah <laughs> <laughs> but basically in terms of management yes the organizers knew i was there but yeah you know we had to we literally actually had to go off the property to do this because the medieval times for the most part has been ignoring them and they, what they'll do is they'll post up in, in the parking lot where everybody has to walk in, hold uh-huh. signs and be yeah. like, hey, we're on strike. Like you're going to see horse abuse. So the company hasn't really been able to stop them from doing that. But in order to like take a break, we had to like walk off the property because they ripped out all the benches and coverings. And like if they try to keep like water, like a stack of water bottles there or something, they'll like call security or whatever to like get it taken away. Wow. So Yeah. So it was, yeah, oh. it was kind of undercover. God, you know, the U.S. is so friendly. That's great. Uh, we're going to play, play the clip. Yeah, play the interview. Just get started. What's your name? Jake Bowman wanted to talk to you today about the Medieval Times strike. What do you do at Medieval Times? Uh, so I'm a knight at Medieval Times. Uh, technically, I would be classified as a knight two. So think of that as like knight one being entry level knight, mm. um, knight two being like mid-tier. But to be fair, I'm not officially registered as a knight two yet because that's part of our ongoing negotiations is dealing with that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how long does it take to get like between those? It takes a long time to learn this. It depends on the situation. My group, uh, there was like three or four of us, was sort of fast-tracked because it, we came in post-COVID and then we didn't have enough guys. So we did these, we did this like boot camp where like we got trained like every single day for eight hours a day, not even doing the show um, for like months, for like three months or something like that to, to really get ready. Um, so three months of like intense training and then I was ready to go, right? But generally speaking, it would probably take six, seven, eight months before you were ready to go. And that just depends on, you know, uh, what level of physical fitness you had coming in, um, your, you know, your general coordination all that kind of stuff so some people are more naturally inclined and they can learn really fast some people not so much and they take a little bit more so obviously this is like really highly skilled work to be a performer at the show yeah how long has the strike been going on i think we're on day 85 or 86 i mean don't quote me exactly on that um but it's uh we're almost close to exactly three months wow and and uh, i anticipate without any major changes that we'll be out for at least another three months okay and what are some of the major issues you're striking about? So what I tell people is, I mean, there's a long list of things, but what I tell people our top three are, right? So the first one is horse safety and horse abuse, is in addressing the horse abuse. Our uh, head horse trainer and assistant horse trainer here at this castle come from, like, a circus background. Or the head horse trainer does, I don't know about the assistant, but he's trained, obviously, by the head horse trainer, so it's the same. Um, and if you know anything about circuses in this country, they don't have live animals anymore because of the way they were treated. Uh, so it's a very bad situation where they overtrain and abuse our horses through training. Instead of like, working with the animal to teach them what we want them to do, 
they beat them to elicit a specific response. And that causes our horses to be extremely aggressive, sour, ornery. They don't really like people, which causes a dangerous situation for them, but also for us riding them, right? It exponentially increases the risk to our bodies because our, our animals don't want us to be on them. So that's a, a big, big, big fighting point right now. A lot of people will ask why we haven't brought it up um, until we went on strike, and that was purely because we have, actually. Um, but we, we weren't able to get any proof of it until recently. So oh. we had been bringing it up for years now that we then needed to address this. And this head horse trainer has been moved around from castle to castle to castle oh. to avoid all of the allegations of like horse abuse and stuff like that. So the kind, anytime it gets too much heat on him, the castle just moves him to a different location. Sure. Um, and so we finally were able to get um, some uh, evidence of it happening and post it and all that kind of stuff. And that's got, uh, you know, gotten some traction. Um, and now the public is aware of it. And it started a conversation about, you know, what is abuse, what's not abuse, what's, you know. When you, when you look at, like, abuse in any form, even if it's dealing with, like, children or anything like that, abuse is not always physically seen, right? There's, like, emotional abuse, there's abuse through manipulation, all that kind of stuff. And so there are, is uh, evidence of physical abuse, but it's also, like, it's, it's the style of training is very abusive, right? Um, so sometimes it's not always immediately apparent when you look at the horse, and so you have to be aware and educate yourself on, on what, styles of training in modern day are like appropriate or not appropriate and all that kind of stuff. And so at the very least, I'm glad that those videos have started a conversation so that we can get to a more ethical place of like training these animals because they're very smart and they're very sensitive and they don't deserve that. So that was the long first one. But the second one, the second and third one will be a lot more shorter. I mean, we don't get paid very well. That's another big one. I make eighteen fifty an hour to jump off a horse and I broke my back and my hand here. And um, a lot of guys have permanent injuries because of this place. And that sort of feeds into the third major one, which is health and safety in general, is they don't take very good care of us whenever we get taken, whenever we get hurt, right? Um, we sort of just get chewed up and spit out, and that's just not fair. I mean, this is, we, we dedicate our lives and our bodies to this job, um, and, and there's nothing to show for it at the end of the day, other than, you know, potentially uh, permanent injuries, like permanent back injuries or permanent knee injuries or something like that. So it's a pretty bad situation. Yeah, some major strike issues for oh, yeah. sure. You had mentioned other castles. From what I understand, there's about 10 castles across the country. They're flying scabs in from across the country to fill in right now? Because, I mean, you can't hire people off the street to do this, like you said. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, our strike is classified as an unfair labor practice strike because we have multiple unfair labor practices filed against the company for how they've handled not only our union, um, like they, they did a bunch of union busting stuff, so how they handled our like the initiation of our union, and also the, the lawsuit against us to run a silencing campaign and deleting our social media and deleting comments and all that kind of stuff. So that's the straw that broke the camel's back. That's what pushed us to go on strike. So it's an unfair labor practice strike, right? And then obviously we're telling people about all the rest of the issues as well. There's 10 locations, right? And then uh, two of them unionized last year. And then there was more that were, I think, getting ready, but they came down pretty hard on those castles recently. So like fired people and all that kind of stuff. So everybody's sort of holding their breath, waiting to see whether or not we win our strike or not, because New Jersey's not even on strike, right? So there's only two locations, again, that are unionized. So out of the other eight locations, one of them's in Canada. Um, they tried to send some people from Canada, but we, we blocked them at the border because they didn't have the right paperwork to come and work in the country, so we sent them back to Canada. Wow. Um, and then, so out of the other seven locations, they just rotate people through. Um, and they're overworked. They're paid a lot, right? They get a lot of extra pay right now, but they're definitely overworked. And I think it's causing a, a cascading effect of making the show not as fun, not as safe as it needs to be, that isn't not as enjoyable. It's kind of boring to watch, in my opinion. Um, and then I don't think our horses are getting worked well right now either. And to be fair, it's it's a bunch of new people on horses that they're not familiar with. So it's just a it's just a very bad situation that is continually like increasingly getting worse and worse because the company won't talk to us or agree with us or or, or deal with us in any way, any fair way. So, so when you're working, like you're doing, 
how many shows a week? Like, this is like full-time work, right? This isn't occasional. Oh, yeah, yeah. We work 40-plus hours a week. Um, you know, we'll come in and train before the show and sometimes after the show, depending on the situation. Um, but, you know, a, like, we also, the California Castle does the most shows by volume than any other location. So we'll do, like, 800-plus shows a, a year. A slow week for us is, is a, you know, 11 or 12 shows a week, right? Wow. Some of these other locations will do, like, four shows a week. And that's, that's not normal, right? And then we can bump up to, there's been occasions where we've done 21 shows in a week. We'll do three shows a day, seven days a week. So it's a very, very busy, very active job, you know, and you're exhausted and tired and all that kind of stuff. But, but the job itself is very enjoyable, and the company can be a very good place to work if they would sit down and listen to us. So. I've seen you out here talking to guests that come in and asking them for ref- to get a refund, that type of thing. How have people been reacting for the most part? Mm, it's mixed. Obviously, there's people that are sympathetic to the cause, but they don't want to be bothered by the whole thing, so they'll still go in. There's people that are sympathetic and understand what we're trying to do, and they'll get a refund, and those are the best people. And then there's people that are aggressive, that, because for some reason, your two hours of entertainment is more important than my livelihood in my life. Uh, and so because of that, you'll get these people that are just not very good, nice people, you know? And then there's not really anything you do to reach them. You just... To be fair, we just end up in a situation where I think it's uncomfortable for everybody, right? Um, and that's not pleasant, but we still have to try to reach, you know, the majority of people as we can. One of my last questions here is, we heard that your sound and lighting crew recently joined IATSE. Mm-hmm. Are they joining the strike, or can you tell me anything about that? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't, not as of right now. I mean, they just, just literally recently voted their union in, so they still haven't even been with their union about their list of demands. They haven't started bargaining or anything like that, and there's a whole step in the, there's a whole step by step before you can even get to a point where you could strike. Um, and so they're probably a few months away from that. We're not depending on them in regards to that, but they have been unbelievably supportive of us from the inside. Uh, and it's very unfortunate that they're unable to to be out on the line with us. But maybe one day they will. It just depends on the situation. So. For folks listening at home, how can they support the strike and support the workers here? So there's three ways. Uh, The first way is obviously if you're coming into town or you're local, don't come right now, right? Um, It would just, anybody crossing the picket line is, is not a good situation for us, right? The second thing is is to uh, you can donate to the strike fund if you want to help us financially. And then the third thing is just spreading the word, right? I mean, it's, it's, so many people consume their news media in so many different locations that it's impossible for me to penetrate every single bubble, for us to penetrate every single bubble to make sure that we can get the word out. So if you're sharing it in your own bubble, then that's helping us, right? Um, so that's how we can spread awareness and, and kind of get the, the word out. And that is very helpful. And so I encourage people to do that. And is there anything else you want to say to folks before we end? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people... Some people, I think, will see this as sort of like a fun novelty strike, you know, and, and it is in a way because it's it's medieval times and it's a fun place to come. And, you know, we're generally nice, fun people to be around, I think. Um, but this is a very serious thing that's happening and, and a lot of people's lives are like at stake right now and their jobs and, and their livelihoods and stuff. And there is no situation in which um, us losing this is going to be acceptable. So we'll be out here as long as it takes six months, 12 months, 18 months, whatever it takes, we will we will win this fight. Um, and, and we can do it a lot sooner if people help. So, you know, those top three things are going to be a big, big ask for us. Great. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you for uh, talking to me. That's pretty powerful stuff. And the tie between the ethical treatment of animals yeah. to labor, to 40 hours a week, plus 40 hours a week that they're working, and 
how much do they make? All that goes together. Like it's not just one thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's right. not just it always has to tie back to what these workers are doing and bringing in that element of social justice. Yeah, ethically treating animals, which fucking matters, and tying that to workers pushes the whole agenda forward. And you can't, in my opinion, there's no winning without the other. You can't just sit there and talk about workers and you beating the shit out the animals. Like, what are you guys really fighting for here? It's all of it. I agree with everything you said. But they're only making eighteen fifty an hour. I'm making about $20 an hour right now, which if I work full time, that's only like $38,000 a year. So they're making less than me to put do very body, dangerous things, like much more line. dangerous put than me. I suppose somebody yeah. could shoot me potentially for knocking on their door, but it's not that common in California. So Jesus, you know, that's it's terrible. It's a terrible situation. I'm glad they're on strike. Yeah. And they are tying it all together. I mean, they've been out there three months. They've got their talking points. They know exactly what they're about. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this, uh-huh. And as Jake had mentioned, like, it seems like a novelty to some people because of the performance they're doing. But like, <laughs> this is pretty serious for them. And also, it's not really fundamentally that different. It's just more dangerous than what other workers exactly. are supposed to. Right. Like, exactly. It's the same cycle. It's like the horses yes. are abused because the management tr- thinks they're disposable. And, they mm-hmm. think the, workers and are disposable. the workers are disposable. It's the same at Amazon. It's the same at Starbucks. It's just right. this happens to be a little more flashy. Yep. Oh, and Jake, by the way, is not the lowest level person. When we said eighteen fifteen hour, like he said, he's night right. two. He's a night. One two. of the top knights falling off a horse. I mean, there's squires who are much lower who just carry the weapons. Oh my god. There's the trumpeters. I mean, like the, you know, like. I mean, they should be making way more than this. I mean, I I like to think about this contextually as, as being similar to wrestling. And I believe that there were multiple attempts in professional wrestling to unionize, but they should be making way more than eighteen fifty an hour. Because at those prices, you can't live in that area. You need a roommate or two or three roommates to yeah. split a one bedroom yeah. to live in that area. Yeah, there's no way they're ever going to be able to afford. I mean, if the you know, I don't believe in the American dream, but if the American dream is being able to buy a home, they will never be able to do that nope. ever. There's always the classic response, like, "Well, this is just temporary job transition." And you huh? know, I've read oh articles God, about many times that even say that, but like, on average, we keep people around for about five years, and it's like, it's like, it's like the same as being an NFL player. It's like, oh, what are they going to transition to? The less yeah. professional football. Like, if you are a medieval times performer, that's the top of the line. Oh, I'm going to go become an accountant now. Like, what do you mean? Like, you obviously do this A because you love it. And B, even with worker safety, it's going to destroy your butt. Like, hello? Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm stuck on that a little bit that they're talking about it as like a transition job. <laughs> it's so, it's so ridiculous. Like, what exactly what you're saying? What are these people going to transition to? You put that on your resume going into like almost any end of their job field. They'll be like, uh, well, yeah. it's great that you can ride a horse, but we don't got any horses here. Like, we actually need you to have a license. Yeah. It's a way <laughs> to justify paying them what they yeah. pay them. That's yeah, it. Every sector. That's all Fast it is. food also. That's all it is. And they're trying to flip the script because it's like, they're like, oh, well, you can't really get, a, it's hard to get performing jobs. So like, we're going to pay you very little as opposed to thinking about the flip side, which is like, uh, you have to train people for six months so they don't instantly die when they jump off the horse. Yeah. These workers are highly skilled. The scabs are only from other castles. Right. They exactly. cannot hire scabs off the street. No, you can't. 
I mean, they could, but they wouldn't be able to have any shows for three months. Exactly. So to kind of wrap us up here, we're going to do both sides. No, but uh, <laughs> we've heard from the organizers about like some of the community response. So I just wanted to highlight a few like top stories of how people have uh, supported or distinctly not supported this strike. So Jake touched a little bit on the fact that sometimes people get really touchy when you mention the fact that they're going to a show supporting horse abuse. And ah, okay. Basically, you're applying or outright saying like, hey, if you go to the show, you're a bad person. Like, just is what it is. It is what it is, yeah. Right, right. Negging into their, like, moral sense of self. A few months ago, an assault happens on the strike line. The jousting at medieval times turns all too real and violent. Oh my god. Oh my god. We were all sort of in shock. No one really knew what was going on, and it was pretty frightening. Worried about her own safety, but still wanting to tell you about this crazy scene. A man heading into Thursday night show suddenly jumps out of his car and starts shoving, starts assaulting at least five members of this unionized picket line. I was in shock. I had no idea what just happened. I was very, very sudden. Um, but yeah, I was completely like completely winded from it. And he started just shoving people out of the way, uh, violently and very aggressively shoving people out of the way. Um, multiple people hit the ground, some people hit the dirt. The video shows no picketers shoving or fighting back, even as the driver of the man's car, a woman, slowly keeps driving that car right into the picket line. Whoa, whoa! Uh, that woman did run me in, run into me with the car, and she was just kind of continuously running into me with it. Um, and then the guy, of course, did come and shove me into the bushes. Well, you know, people people gotta consume their media. They don't want to get people to get in the way, people's lives. And it's pretty wild, it's selfish. I mean, some people get pissed when you like confront them morally and are like, "Hey, we're striking." You have to think about reality for five seconds. Yeah, engage. right. Exactly. The contradictions. Yeah. I was on the line and I said, you know, I say to everybody the same thing. I'm like, oh, these nights are on strike. And somebody goes, oh, that's a bummer. I go, what do you mean? And he goes, oh, it's a bummer that you said that to me. And I was like, oh, that's the bummer. Uh, right. <laughs> that's the bummer. Sorry to ruin it. Sorry you have to like feel bad about going to the, <laughs> to the show where you wear a paper crown and watch people wow. fight. Like, right. Sorry that it's inconvenient for you, dude. That's entitled shit right there. Jesus. For whatever reason, people in the United States are not very friendly to unions. And it's like, why do you think we enjoy even really shitty labor law? Like, <laughs> it's all because of unions. Hate to break it to you. So that's like kind of a highlight of like the most negative. Like generally people have been supportive, but there's obviously like when you confront people with American work power, like there, some people are going to freak out. So our, our last clip here is of kind of a high-profile supporter of the strike. You know her, Felicia Day. Who's Felicia Day? She's like kind of like a high-profile actress in, like, I guess you would say the nerd world. She's like founded a bunch of like D&D shows and stuff. She's like kind of like a, I don't know, like a B-list person. She's not in like movies and stuff as much, but like okay. she's pretty high-profile on the internet. Okay. tried to take my kids to medieval times and when i drove up i saw that there was a picket line for the workers and 
my kiddo, who I will not show on camera. Yes, um, will. No, but, but you don't show on camera. So anyway, I explained to her why there were picket people. We started walking up, and they said that they didn't treat the horses right or the people right. And she, instead of crying at six years old, decided to support the workers because she did not like people treating horses bad. So anyway. Horses are my favorite animal. Yeah, horses are a family animal. Anyway, so never cross a picket line, all right? There you go. Some sensible people out there. And that's kind of the response of a lot of people is, you know, even when I was there, people, some people would get returns or like turn away or, you know, a lot of people would just say, oh, I feel bad and still go in. But, you know, there it has been some effect. And hmm. that's what happens before the propaganda gets, you know, codified in you. You're like, oh, yeah, you're treating horses wrong, so I'm not going to fuck with you. From yeah, the mouths exactly. of babes. Done. Yeah. Like, it's that simple. Yeah, the principles of youth. If only more people were like that. I wonder where this is going to go. Because it's one company, a small company, but who knows? Like, what do y'all think? You think it grows outside of these people if they get their union? Uh, you mean to, like, other shows? Other shows? Other performances? Other performances locally? Does this, like, start a little, like, unionization in the area? Like, what happens? I, that's an interesting question, and in terms of performances, I'm I'm wondering: is this really like a unique situation? They're doing like twelve shows a week. They're working forty plus hours. I don't know how common that is in terms mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. performers. I mean, obviously at Disney World, I think there's elements of that. I think I think Disney is union, right? Some of the performers are, right? Yeah, yeah some of the performers are. So, uh, you know, in terms of performers. I mean, maybe. I think if if this if this local ca local castle <laughs> if this local castle is successful, I think yeah, it'll spread spread to the other castles. You know, not all at once. It requires you know organizing is tough work, especially when people's lives are on the, uh, livelihoods, financial livelihoods uh -huh. are on the line. Not that they're paying enough for people to really prosper, but in other in terms of other performers, well, I mean, it's already happened in terms like the writers are going on strike. Uh -huh. So, you know, I think that there will be uh, in the next five to 20 years, a lot of act like union activity, strike activity. Around entertainment um, labor. With entertainment like, labor. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's already happening, it's happening. to, yeah, to yeah, an yeah, extent. Totally, so totally. I think it will intensify. And this is all post-Bernie, post-awakening like, of like some sort of class consciousness in this country. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So if you guys want to support, please do. There's a strike fund out there, the cast and knights of medieval times. Look it up. It's on GoFundMe. They need money because they're not working right now. They're striking for labor rights, and labor rights matter. We'll have the links at the bottom. Check out their social media. Check out a date. If you want to go, just head out to the strike line. They like having folks there. Just imagine like the energy at a renaissance fair and the type of people that are there. That's what these performers are like. They're very like friendly and high energy, and trust me, you'll be very welcome there. Yeah, medieval times is still a good date night. Just date night on the picket line. That's that's <laughs> an awesome date. That's an awesome date. Oh god! Thanks for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. This is Jordan. This is Miles, and I'm Vic. And don't forget to ask yourself, wait, wait why, why am I, I talking? talking?